Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. I want you to meet um, someone who's been a, a friend for a long time. Greg Hart is a council member here in Santa Barbara, but you're a on the board of supervisors now. Supervisor elect, so I start right. in January. That's I was I was doing my um, our crack research staff was trying to figure out when that was. So what date do you January eighth is the swearing in? How exciting is that? It's very exciting. This is a real um, once in a lifetime opportunity, and I'm you know prepared and excited and ready to start. In fact, I'm starting really. Um, Supervisor Wolf has been really fantastic helping with the transition. You're you know, shadowing exactly. We we did a tour of the second district. She's pointing out all the things that she's been working on. You know things that need to be worked on and um, really preparing me for the job. So I'm excited to have this opportunity. So you have been in public service, public administration your whole career. You, you're, are you, were you born here? Wasn't born in Santa Barbara, but I moved here when I was two to Lompoc and right. lived in Lompoc, went to kindergarten in Lompoc and yep. then moved to Santa Barbara at five yep. and have lived here all my life. My father right. was the library director for the city and county of Santa Barbara. I remember libraries. Libraries are a great thing. In fact, my new office at the county administration building looks over at the library. My yep. father helped reconstruct and my mother was a public school teacher. Well, so you're right. Public seventies, wasn't it? It was. Um, I can't remember precisely, but the library just had its 100th year anniversary as oh an institution of the community. It's an amazing resource, and we'll be here for another 100 years. Well, we were, we were talking about learning as we just before mm -hmm. we got on the show and and the and and artificial artificial intelligence specifically. I've been working on a project for four years mm -hmm. in New York on that and uh, where it's taking jobs away or could take jobs. There's mm -hmm. the good news, the bad news, exactly. of all of that. Uh, but I'm I'm intrigued around public administration and mm -hmm. people who in even in today's turmoil around public service mm -hmm. still opt to have a life in public tell me about th when that first hit you that you wanted to do that well i think you know as i was describing i grew up in that family we talked about local government politics at the dinner table so it, oh. it felt natural to me oh. um and i was interested in it and i pursued it in school was a political science major i don't know how much of my job anymore is political science i'm not sure politics is science it's more like art and probably in hindsight, I wish I had been a psychology major or a uh, communications major because that's really what I do is talk to people about things and try and you know get them to, to see other perspectives and to try and pull other perspectives together. So it, it isn't political science in the classic sense that I learned in school. But, um, you know, it's a really rewarding life for me. I'm, I'm very happy that I chose this path and I get a tremendous amount of personal satisfaction. And I think, you know, I help in a small way. This is a community of a lot of people digging in and caring and working together and uh, doing my part of that feels really gratifying on a daily basis. Now, you've been on the council for quite a long time. When did you first? I've been on the council for 13 years in total, but I served eight years on the planning commission prior to that. I was a California coastal commissioner for four years. So I've attended a lot of public agency meetings. What's the, been the biggest surprise for you in all of that? You know, I think that um, as time has gone on, things are getting harder to get people to um, understand the complexities involved. The, you know, the world is increasingly complex. The challenges government face is no different. And um, people are really busy. And the disconnect between their availability of time and their ability to focus on these kinds of issues and their willingness to defer um, to others to make those decisions are at odds. You know, they don't have the time. 
to commit. They don't have the time to be engaged as much so as there possible. So there's a lot in there. So who's the they in this conversation? The public. The Got regular it. folks who are busy living their lives, who are working two jobs, who find that their homes are increasingly unaffordable, who college educations are extremely expensive, um, health care you know, is expensive. Their people, The stress people are under on a daily basis is geometrically larger than it was 20, 30 years ago. And I don't see that changing in the future. I think it only seems to be getting worse for folks who are struggling to get by, particularly in a community as expensive as Santa Barbara. So where in the past, I think there was more capacity and time in families for somebody to contribute as a community member, that is being stressed. And so those people that historically used to be involved in these kinds of things that understood them uh, because they were engaged in them not are not so engaged anymore. So, so stay on there for a second. So the civic engagement, um, I know when I first was kind of coming of age here in Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. I had that talk. Um, Peter McDougall gave me that mm -hmm. talk about stewardship and being involved in the community and what that meant to be a citizen. And I'm sure mm -hmm. that's it's the same in every community, but it's about stepping up, showing up, you know, yep. acting, doing that kind of thing. So you're saying that there's just less time. People have less time to do that. I think that's just reality. You know, it's, it's not a question of whether they value that work or not or whether right. it's important work or whether they see it differently. Just simply life is more complicated, more stressful. It, it takes two hardworking, full-time people to make a living. Whereas 30 years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. And so one of those people in that partnership in the past was able to spend more time being civically engaged. Today, that comes out of family time, that comes out of social life, that comes out of, um, you know, everything's zero sum in that sense. There's only so many hours in the right. day. And, that, and we noticed that in government because people um, aren't in it at the granular level. They get their information through a variety of sources, social media, other things like that, that aren't necessarily as invested in being honest and truthful either. And so you get if you start out not knowing it yourself because you're not engaged and you get distorted information from a variety of sources and you come to the, the conversation not prepared for the truth and the complexity of that, that's a disconnect that's hard to fix. How are you, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this is a uh, subject of conversation amongst your peers. Mm -hmm. You know this, and, and consternation, and, and mm -hmm. probably frustration. I could imagine you're sitting there, and it's time for public comment, and the six of you ish, I think, mm -hmm. are looking out in an, at an empty hall, or there's mm -hmm. one person. Because I'm gonna guess you attract the fringes. Uh, yes. Right. Who? Yes. Right. Fr you know that that like people that do have time. Gosh darn it! I'm mm -hmm. gonna go in there, and I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind, whether whatever. Every week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So you have serial commenters. Yes, know, it's of part of the job. Do. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and it's frustrating because you like we're here. We're public servants. We're we're mm -hmm. here for you to do a job for you. Mm -hmm. This is the thing we want to do. So, how, future think with me for a second because as you said, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Mm -hmm. What innovations do you think you need to? have a better connection with the population? Well, I think that it's probably, unfortunately, going to get worse before it gets better, because I think that, you know, the people who are role modeling political dialogue at the national level right. have, you know, ratcheted down the level of that discourse to right. an unimaginable place. Sure. And there, but there will be a reaction to that. The voters we'll already are reacting we'll to that. Back. This this election was a perfect example of that. The same yeah. thing will happen in 2020, and we'll get a different style of leadership in that, and that will help. Um, and... In terms of building civic capacity, you know, we need to start younger. We need to teach oh. kids to be literate from a different changing media landscape and to, you know, encourage them and provide uh, the tools for them. Some sim simple things like newspaper subscriptions to real credible news sources are unaffordable to students. And so they don't have that option. So they find news through free sources. Facebook. So, <laughs> or what kids don't, uh, kids, I know, okay, my younger listener is shouting at me right now going, 
Come on, Grandma. There's other things not besides on that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, so uh, we need to figure out a way. You know, and the library is a great source for that. And, and the library, libraries are trying to reinvent themselves to be more relevant in the 21st century by providing that information with new sources and new avenues. But I don't think students are plugged into that yet. I don't know that they know that that's available. I don't know that they access it the way it ought to be done. So making those kind of connections and building that capacity for the next generation is the one of the long-term investments. And we were talking um, briefly before about, you know, what, what does this mean to be um, a lifelong learner and, and that responsibility, too. I think in the past, your life pattern was, you know, you went to school, you had a job, you retired. You know, and now I don't know that those things are going to be separable. I don't know that folks are going to be able to just go to school and stop going to school. They're going to have to continuously be a lifelong learner. because it's something... Right. And it's a great way to live, honestly. It's not like it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But it's but it's different. People don't necessarily have that expectation. Um, I, hopefully our children do because that's the world they're going to inherit. You know, the jobs are not secure. Industries are not secure. Everything is changing radically and accelerating. Um, artificial intelligence is a potential boon and an amazingly threatening prospect where entire industries will be taken away. And, and the folks that do those things, if they're at a certain age, will be particularly vulnerable to those job losses. And, and the capacity of somebody who's 40 or 50 years old who has not been trained to be a lifelong learner is potentially catastrophic. And you see that happening in little tiny bits of evidence around the country. You know, the opioid crisis, the, um, the life expectancy of 50-year-old males in certain parts of the country is actually declining for the first time is in history. It? Yes. There, there's concrete evidence out there that people are not able to rise to the, this kind of a crisis um, challenge to their their existential existence. Their whole reason, you know, to be a contributing member of society is, is fundamentally built on their job. And when their job goes away at that age and they're able to get a job that's meaningful, there isn't, there's not a lot of optimism in that life. And that's, you see really pathological behaviors that come from that. And that's, I think these are the warning signs of the future. And so we need to make sure that people have that capacity to adjust in a changing world like that personally and then civically as, as a community. And, and these, are, these are big changes that aren't going to happen overnight, but we have to start leaning into them now and getting kids and, and, and everyone better prepared to be lifelong learners and more adaptable to change. Let's, uh, I want to go back to kids for a second because as, as, you, as you well know, I'm the TEDx Santa Barbara guy and I'm a lifelong TEDster, a lifelong learner. And TED has a thing called TED Ed, mm-hmm. which is, um, the, is the educational movement, the educational arm of TED. Mm-hmm. And they have these things called TED Clubs. So a teacher can go to TED Ed and they can start a TED Club. And they have all these resources. And the, the concept is to, in the grade one eight, or probably three to eight, is to improve presentation literacy in the youth period that's the wonderful skill that's Mm. it right learning how to talk communicate and get your ideas out there and so they've said the way to for us to do to have the most impact is to go do that when they're young and and freely give so it's all free right Mm -hmm. it's 100 free so we're going to be doing a tedx youth santa barbara rod latham is doing that over oh you uh, couldn't have a better person he's the guy absolutely it's it's his show over at the marjorie luke it's going to be in uh uh, spring of 2020, we can't mm-hmm. wait. It's going to be fantastic. Um, a, a whole auditorium of kids, and I was involved in the partners in, in education. You mm-hmm. know, here in Santa Barbara, uh, back in the day when we did um, the uh, computers for families, so we got technology into the fourth graders. All of that is leading me towards, in, including work with the Santa Barbara Foundation, who said if we can figure out the education piece then we can solve a lot of these other problems, the the crime, the poverty, the, yes. the other things. And he said, but that's not sexy. People, people don't get excited about that. Mm-hmm. But the more and more I think about this, bringing it back to youth makes sense. So yes. I'm going to bring it home. And um, this idea of uh, civic engagement, that was the other word you used, and connecting that to fourth graders. I th- fourth grade is about the mm-hmm. right grade. Mm-hmm. What, are there any examples of public administrators or people who teach public? We've had professors from Kowloon in public administration here. Mm-hmm. Figuring out how do we get kids to be thinking civically? 
There's a kids draw architecture program that I think is fun and it inspires children to connect art to buildings and the physical infrastructure and to you know kind of point them toward a career in architecture and expose them to that. Um, I don't know that there's any one thing that does it. I think it all has to be fun. I think people, sure. kids need to understand that being a student, being a lifelong learner is a way of life. It's not, you're not going to go through school and finish. You're just going to enjoy learning. You're going to nurture the capacity to be curious and to and to follow that path wherever it leads you. And I think, you know, in the past we have been so focused on standards and rigor and achieving, you know, academic in success in school yeah. and that that is it's limiting and it and it's boxing folks in and, and people don't find that as gratifying emotionally as it, as being a lifelong learner should be. There's, it should be, you know, read your book because that book is interesting to you. And what book um, does that propel you to next? That's sort of how I learned. My father was a library director, and so I was uniquely awesome. in a situation. How many days did you? Would, come to, on, we're going to the library. Well, and he would bring books home to me sure. too, and say, "Read this." You know, you thought you liked that? Try that. You know, and that I'm very privileged to have had that opportunity. But I right. think there's something to that. I think it's you know sort of like being a didactic um, learner and and, and treat. And, pointing yourself in a direction of curiosity. And so I would hope, you know, as a community and as our, our education system could could find more time and space for that because, you know, it's not a race to get through high school. It's not a race to get through college. It's investing in your own intellectual capacity for a lifetime and being adaptable and being resilient and knowing that, you know, the job you have today is not the job you're going to necessarily have in five and ten years. And the skill set that you have today for the job today isn't the skill set you're going to need in five to ten years. And and this is kind of unprecedented in human history when you really think about it. We have not asked people to be that adaptable and that flexible um, that I can think about in history. And so it's not clear that we have that capacity. And But if, if we're going to survive and, and the country is going to thrive and our communities are going to thrive, we have to try really hard to make this happen and get that capacity And starting at a young age. There was a great TED Talk this year um, in uh, Vancouver by Kai-Fu Lee, who uh, noted technologist, he's, he's in China, but he spent a lot of time in Silicon Graphics in the Silicon Valley, and that's where I got to know him. But uh, there were five talks on AI mm -hmm. and how things are rapidly changing. Yes. But the part that comes back to me is he created this graph on the jobs that would stay and the jobs mm -hmm. that would go and what it was gonna take. And my big takeaway was, the jobs that will stay are any job where the core skill is your ability to empathize. Yes. Human-to-human -human connection. You can't replace that with a, a machine. Right. So yes. kind of look at what your job is and figure out if, you know, how – that's something we should be good at anyway, but – <laughs> doesn't necessarily naturally come to everybody, though. No, so I think that's a learned skill too. So, so uh, interesting. Uh, I'm I am naturally curious, and I and I have been my whole mm -hmm. life. So have so, I. So, and, and I have a, um, a a flaw in that I uh, when I find someone who's not curious, I it just it's curious to me why like mm -hmm. how could you not be curious like mm -hmm. how, you just let stuff up. Yeah, it's fine. You don't want to know how it works? No, mm -hmm. I'm good. Uh, like, I I just don't, I can't relate to that. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. Jeez, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's <laughs> getting really meta. Uh, is curiosity a learned thing, or is that in your DNA? What do you think? I think it probably is like most things, that everybody has a certain natural capacity, but it's a, it's like a muscle that can be exercised and can be expanded. And if um, everybody, I think, is curious to some degree, but they probably at early ages you know, are in a situation of stress or tension or you know, un insecurity that, that squelches that, and that's key. That's probably, you know, it, what what are the biggest drivers of educational performance? It's the preparation from zero to five. You know, how are pre-kindergartners nurtured in an educational environment? And it's not teaching them how to read and write. It's teaching them to enjoy the process of being of learning something so that they enjoy being in a classroom and enjoy socializing and being with other children, enjoy um, new things. And that sparks that creativity and nurtures it and then 
hopefully it flourishes. But if you get off track at that earliest stage, you, it's very hard to catch up. And I think all the data about educational outcomes points to that. And of course, our system doesn't properly fund that. You know, that isn't that yeah, isn't where a, the money goes, and right. yet that's where the money ought to go. Um, certainly, to leverage outcomes, that's where the money ought to go. But you know, that's something we all have to work harder on. I was just, you know, as we were talking about lifelong learning, uh, I read an article in Forbes on the 15 free tools that entrepreneurs should be taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, that caught my attention. You put with the word uh, a number and the word free in a title, and people are going to click. And and you come from a credible source. Forbes is is good. Mm -hmm. And there was a tool in there that was. Um, uh, how to uh, create uh, your take your thinking and turn it into graphics that you can then mm -hmm. push out across all the platforms easily. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have to be good at now. Yep. That's right. You've got a. I've got this. I'm I'm trying to sell something, or I want to say something, or I want to pay it, point attention mm -hmm. to something, but I need to go out through a bunch of different channels to do that. And I was like, huh. And I, I caught myself 45 minutes later having watched two how-to videos on how to do that. And I went, oh, I, I could totally do that. And I was just mm -hmm. thinking that's part of that lifelong learning. That Absolutely. Right? I mean, I think all of us have had the experience. We just start looking at something on the Internet, and it leads to another thing and another thing and another thing. And you find, oh, my gosh, three hours just went by. What yeah, happened? right. Yeah. Right. I, I love that. Um, tell me uh, – so you've been working at the city level, and tell me, tell us something that might surprise a civilian. You know, we've we got people in 42 countries listen to this show mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, we've talked about public administration. We've talked about all aspects of business, and part of it is how we deal with government and all of mm -hmm. that. What is something that might surprise the listener about working, doing what you do? Because you're just, a, you know, citizens vie for your job mm -hmm. right it's just like if you look at our local elections they're just our neighbors decide mm -hmm. you know what i'm gonna go do that i could help what is it that draws that just that citizen to go do it well, I, we are very fortunate to live in a community like Santa Barbara that is very sophisticated and very um, cutting edge in regard to planning and uh, fiscal responsibility. You know, all the really metri important metrics that a government, um, you would hope a government would achieve. Santa Barbara is doing a really great job in that respect. We're, we're solid fiscally. You know, we do value citizen engagement. We have processes that pull citizen into the decision-making process. High standards, quality people, you know, it really is very well run. And that is not the case in every place. I just came back from yesterday from a conference down in San Diego, the California um, Supervisors Association, County Supervisors Association of California. So this is all 58 counties, elected officials from all those places. First time I've been to a conference of um, county supervisors because I'm training up for my new job. And, you know, the, the, the range of county capability is enormously vast. Are you, you know, there's, there are counties that have, I think, 1,400 residents in the entire county, and they have the responsibility to l deliver state services to that population, you know, by the state charter of counties. Um, and, you know, their capability of doing that compared to Los Angeles County, which is also a county, is enormously. There couldn't possibly, it's like the difference between, you know, countries at every spectrum sure. of the capability. And the same thing exists with cities. So we're, we're really lucky in Santa Barbara and in Goleta and in the South Coast and all of Santa Barbara County, really, to have well-oiled working government. And um, the complexity of the issues that are involved in these decisions. You know, when you think about the city of Santa Barbara, we operate a harbor, we operate an airport. Um, you know, that is not typical of cities. And those are new competencies that most people don't think about in terms of government. You assume, you know, streets and roads and sewers and libraries and police departments and things like that. But these other areas, too, are, are also important. And people, they are critical parts of the economy. You know, the tourism that comes from folks visiting the harbor and that, f that feeling and spirit of having an active um, fishing industry in our harbor. The, the airport that we have that's accessible, that's great, that's connected to all these cities. You know, these are all vital parts of our community. And, that, and the council has something to say about that. So, I, you know, I just am very lucky to be in that place and really respect the work that the staff does. They are the consummate professionals. You know, this is part of that challenge of communicating the reality to the public when media 
that has an agenda is mm. is determined to try and tell people that government is the problem you know you have to overcome that and you have to say no that that's just factually not true you know these are people who are who are earnest who are dedicated who are working really hard who put themselves at physical risk when disasters confront us when we are in jeopardy of the entire city burning to a, a ground to the ground sure. as we were sure. a year ago firefighters jump in front of that they're immediately followed by the police department and they're followed by the public works people who are out there keeping the water flowing to the firefighters you know the the staff that, that work in administrative jobs in the city immediately become emergency responders and go to the emergency operations center to keep that system going to, to, to enable them to have the capability to protect us. It's a pretty amazing thing. And as um, the consequences of natural disasters are more and more present, obviously, to us as what's just happened in the last month, you know, that work is really important. And, um, you know, we all should be grateful for that and thankful that we have people that are willing to do that. That is, uh, the, well, uh, I just love that, that vision on the complexity of what we do. Uh, tell me from a uh, revenue point of view, California is like one of the top. California, if it was a country, is what the eighth biggest. I economy? think it's closer to the fourth. I might it's be wrong, fourth. but it's it is a major economic force. It is so now. If we break that down by the counties, because that money mm -hmm. all comes from the counties, what's the number one county from that? It's probably break? San Francisco County or Alameda counties. You know, the Bay Area is just Silicon an amazing, Valley. yes, right. amazing economic. I mean, the, the it is extraordinary. If it were a country itself the Bay Area would probably be in the top 10 in the world. Right. Interesting. And then um, and Santa Barbara is mid-tier yeah. in all of yeah. that? Yeah. Santa Barbara is a medium-tier economic engine. What, uh, and I guess it's a really small town here, so you all know one another, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're aware of what's what goes on. We've had Salute in here and, and you know, talking about being a supervisor. What is the, um, what are you looking for? forward to the most about this new job because it's bigger right you've got mm -hmm. a north county south county you've, it, it's just a bigger domain what's the the thing you're looking for well to personally yeah. it, what it fits into with what we're just talking about is um, the learning curve you know, wow. I'm excited about that. This There's our whole new areas that the county does that the city doesn't do. Social services, criminal justice, um, mental health, behavioral wellness. You know, all those areas um, are brand new to me, and I am excited and, and want to engage. The homeless challenge. You know, on the city level, we have a certain level of engagement responsibility. County has a much more prominent role. The county is the service provider for all of the things that we need to do to help people to get out of that situation. So I'm really excited about the idea of working with the cities and the county kind of trying to pull everybody together to um, to do more because we are not doing enough and not doing enough here in Santa Barbara is in relation to not doing enough in the state of California and in the country. This is not unique to Santa Barbara, the challenge we're facing with folks who are in poverty and are suffering from mental illness and are victims of trauma in their lives who need help to get out of that situation. People aren't choosing to be homeless. They're victims right. Of circumstances. Right. And yet, even that simple point is debatable because folks with different ideologies are telling us different stories about that. And that's, that gets to this complexity thing. It isn't, there isn't a simple silver bullet answer to that complex, multifaceted problem. And you can't do justice to it unless you understand that complexity and, and realize there's, there's going to be a lot of different approaches that are going to be variably successful um, to solve that problem or manage that problem. Um, when I say the word compromise, what comes to mind? You know, that's important because, you know, I don't have all the answers. Um, I, I know the path, I think, to find those answers, which is rigor and, and intellectual engagement and data and facts. Um, but those facts are not always black and white. They're, they're shades of gray. And, and people are inventing this stuff as we go forward and trying new things and seeing the success and failure of that in different ways. And so that's where, you know, an honest debate, having people, you know, rolling up their sleeves and saying, how could we do this better? That's, that's what this is fundamentally about at the government, local government level. The, this podcast, um, 805 Conversations, mm -hmm. 
came out of a project called 805 Connect, which still runs, which came out of a conversation that Hannah Beth Jackson had with me and said, would you come be mm -hmm. part of a conversation? Would you, here it was, would you involve yourself civically, engage with us, please, with a bunch of other citizens mm -hmm. and talk about this issue? And what she was interested in is, because her, her jurisdiction crosses boundaries, yes. right? And uh, I went, and this was six years ago now, mm -hmm. and we, you know, I have a platform that allows things to connect, and we said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And I had never honestly really looked at the 805 from San Luis all the way down to Thousand Oaks. That's how, it's a large area. Mm -hmm. Get out your map, listener. Take a look. It is very big. Um, there's 27 different cities, you know, and jurisdictions and chambers of commerce and counties and all of that. And what was interesting to me is how they're all siloed. Mm -hmm. Everything is siloed. And then there's silos within those silos. So knowing that a lot of the problems we have are regional problems, mm -hmm. right? Not just South County. Now, guess what? You have to do South and North. I mean, you get to look at the whole the thing. The whole county, one county. Ooh, ooh. And this six years ago was a problem, and I don't think it's gotten it's changed at all. Mm -hmm. um, how do you work with other counties if if you really believe that thread of the 101 is mm -hmm. our lifeline through our our jurisdictions, economically, philosophically, all, all demographically? Is there not a uh, an opportunity for a tri-county? I want commission's the wrong word, but a way for us to be working together at that Uber level. Well, ironically, um, or, or wonderfully, uh, that's what I do on a daily basis is I work for a regional government agency. My day oh, job really? is working for the Santa Barbara County Association of Governments. And so we're the one government entity that actually brings together elected officials from all of the incorporated cities in Santa Barbara County, along with the members of the Board of Supervisors, to work on transportation and planning issues. And so that that model exists all around the state. There are county-wide um, entities like this. San Luis Obispo County has one. Ventura County has one. But there aren't um, mega regions that pull those together. So that's a great next step to this. And, and it's, you're exactly right. The, the issues facing San Luis Obispo County, transportation, housing, water availability, economic vibe, um, economic development. Loss of Diablo. Same thing we're facing. Same right. thing Ventura County's facing. Um, and probably, you know, different and um, but more similar together than the challenges in the Los Angeles area. You know, yes. That's just a different scale, different complexity. We are much more alike in the tri-counties. And so that's a natural um, connection. In our On the transportation work that I do with the Santa Barbara County Association of Governors, Governments, we have connected with the five counties that the 101 is the transportation spine um, for, going north up to San Benito, Santa Cruz, Monterey, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara County. We've united as a a lobbying force to kind of raise the profile of our area to the state legislature and to the state transportation commission to say, you know, we need to be in this corridor needs to be invested in. This is the only highway that operates between the Bay Area and Los Angeles other than Highway 5. When Highway 5 closes, we get all of the interstate yep. commerce. So that making that case coming together, sharing common interest in that subject area has been really fruitful and really successful. And so that model is a great idea. And that is something that I think, you know, because of my experience and my professional capacity in this job, because, um, you know, I'm coming from a city and going to the Board of Supervisors, I want to make those connections better. I want to make them stronger, build those relationships between those two entities. Same thing with the city of Goleta. These are, this is the way to do government in the future, more collaboratively, getting those silos broken down, recognizing the strengths and um, opportunities that are out there for collaboration and trying to nurture those. But it's not natural. It is right. it, those silos right. exist, you right. know, historically and are real. And folks are super busy with their jobs. So adding things to the top of a plate that's overflowing with responsibilities is a real challenge. The, as you said earlier, right? They, you've got two very very busy people working, you know, to it, and it's the same. Where everyone's busy. Yep. The thing that I found is I started digging into the problem because I was like, huh, I'm I'm a the thing I like to do is solve problems on a daily mm -hmm. basis. That's mm -hmm. what gets me going, right? Uh, learning and then so yep. I, it's, it's typically that. the learning comes from trying to solve mm -hmm. a problem, right? 
But I found that, um, and this might be too simplistic, but it felt like the silos were created by people putting walls to protect their fiscal interests. Yes, I think that is the fundamental reason, yes. Right. That's but the system the rewards, you know, if you get your money and you keep your money, you know, and, and that here's a great example of that. The, the fundamental um, principle that organizes the California League of Cities and the California um, Supervisors Association, those two separate entities that represent elected officials at those levels, is their common interest in having the state give more resources, more money to those governmental levels and less restrictions on those government levels. That, that's kind of the one unifying thing. If you're talking about Alpine County and Los Angeles County that don't have much in common with each other, they have that in common. They, they need more resources and they need fewer restrictions from the state to be able to do to break down the silos and make those things happen. And so that's the challenge at every level of government. You see that same relationship between state governments and the national governments. What would unite Kansas, South Carolina, and California? We need more resources from the federal government, and we need fewer restrictions from the federal government to address our local needs. And so it goes from the lowest level of government all the way to the highest level of government, that same principle. And that's that's also exactly true in the, in the so that's public sector, but private sector, and, and I look at education, mm -hmm. kind of it's its own thing, but I look at like the nonprofits, like, we have a higher concentration of nonprofits here than anywhere mm -hmm. in the country. And I look at why are they not, th we probably do a better job of having people work together than anywhere else. Certainly dramatically improved too. Right. You know, if we had this right. conversation 10 years ago, we'd be amazed right. today at, right. at how much progress there's been. We made look at the regard. partner for excellence. We exactly. look at, and we've had all of those folks on the show as yep. well to, to talk about that, but it still gets back to um, w if we're working together, then, that person who's going to give money, are they going to give it to me or are they going to give it to you? Yep. Right. And, and I, um, I honestly couldn't figure a way to bridge that gap mm -hmm. in trying to get everyone to kind of play nice together and collaborate together. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do we do that more? And, and my goal with the 805 project was when you're looking for a resource, a product, a service, manufacturing, somebody to make your things, someone to hire, all, all of that, we tend to think, oh, that resource is going to be north of me. I'll probably get it in San Francisco, or it's going to be mm -hmm. south of me. It's in L.A. I'll get the better person there mm -hmm. or the resource. I'm going to look as opposed to, if you have any clue, I mean, there's 50,000 businesses in Oxnard alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... It's a big city. Yeah, there's tens of thousands of businesses and really smart people in the region. Mm -hmm. We just, I think, universally don't do a really good job of marketing to one another within the region to say what we the, do. The barriers between Ventura County and Santa Barbara County, the the distance of driving from Santa Barbara to Goleta, these you know these things are crazy psychological right? barriers right? that really don't have any basis in anything. But they're how we have evolved to this place. The University University of California Santa Barbara, world class institution absolutely you know the smartest people in the planet are yeah. right there doing all that work yep. and that connection needs to be improved so yep. that, there's lots on the plate that's the town and gown conversation that uh, i remember professor vinky who was the you know famous head of engineering back in the day i was very involved with the mm -hmm. university um did you go to ucsb i did so you're a gaucho i'm a gaucho Nice. Gauchos nice. are house hosting the the college soccer um, championships coming up here uh, this month, I think, and we'll be the host to the whole nation who are interested in soccer uh, as the playoffs roll oh, out. Fantastic! UCSB. I I ran off campus food service for UCSB back in seventy three seventy four, and when I was just a young pup, and I remember that's when there was uh, Harder Stadium had the, all that land out in front of it, and they had the the uh, college rugby championships where there were kegs on the field <laughs> at 7 a.m. You remember those days. I do remember those days. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have a, a question about, um, I'm going to go back to kids for a second. I, I'm really interested in how we get kids more involved in stuff. Mm -hmm. One, one uh, I ran a nonprofit at Wayfront, as you remember, at mm -hmm. Wayfront, Absolutely. our computer animation company. Uh, we had after school. We had at-risk program where we brought kids in and, and the guy who ran that for me said, um, remember their minds are as buff as their bodies. And so I don't, I'm not an ageist at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will, I'll give it to the fact that, yeah, a 12 year old could probably handle it. Especially when I learned at Laguna Blanca Youth, the TEDx that mm -hmm. was out there, 
I was meeting one of the teachers. I said, what do you do? And she said, I teach Latin. And I looked around and said, how old are these kids? And she goes, well, they're 11 and 12. And they're learning Latin. Yeah. She goes like, okay. So that being said, um, do you ever have kids come in and sit in uh in in one of your sessions mm-hmm. like do do they do that is that kind of a thing that our schools do yes we in fact we have a youth council that where the council appoints They're representatives from the local high schools to sit um, at the chambers and to run their own meeting and discuss issues that are important to them that their own agenda what? and they are learning to be civic leaders and they come and make presentations to the council periodically about the work that they're doing it's a very sophisticated wonderful program and it's just one of many. Um, the Boys and Girls Club for Santa Barbara has an amazing um, program where their executive director comes to the council all the time and talks about the progress of the kids that are in the club, the the tremendous difference it makes for the kids in that particular socioeconomic uh, demographic in the city to be daily participants in the Boys and Girls Club programs. If, if they, I think, complete more than 100 days of attendance at the club, they are twice as likely to be successful in school and to avoid drug and alcohol problems. We recognize that when they come to the council, we give, you know, they get their badges that rec- commemorate that moment that they have achieved that, that bar in front of the council and the community. Wow. It's, you know, that sort of stuff, layers and layers and layers, is exactly the work that makes a difference. I, 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 I feel like I'm pretty well read. I had no idea there was a youth council, and I'm going to go dig in and find out more about that. You're right. We are really rich with these resources, and wow. yet, you know, there's still lots of people, lots of kids who are not, you know, taking full advantage of that because their families are very stressed financially. It's just an well, yeah, amazingly different right. world for right. fa- parents, you know, who are working two and three jobs, both parents, and um, that is really one of the biggest challenges facing I've had long government. conversations with Paul Orfala mm-hmm. about this challenge and because he's all about you know he and, and he has a particular he doesn't say disadvantage there, there he has a different word for mm-hmm. that but it's um, he quoted a statistic and I'm gonna facts I'm gonna get the fact wrong mm-hmm. but he was saying that a disproportionate number of the Hispanic community kids have not been to the beach yes and I'm like, okay, dude, how is that even possible? You can walk to the beach right. from literally anywhere. If you were on San Marcos Pass, you could walk to right. the beach if you had to. Well, and you know, think about it. The beach is a scary, dangerous place if you don't know how to swim. And how do you learn how to swim if your parents are busy working three jobs and you don't have access to a pool? So these, even That's though we live connection. in a coastal community, um, that is a giant barrier. And that's something, you know, we have the Junior Lifeguards Program. We have city um, summer camps that try to make that connection, too. There are major scholarship programs available for folks to have access to that. But, you know, there's there's cultural, there's psychological barriers. There's lots of um, issues that have to be kind of tackled. And it kind of probably comes back to our, you know, are you a resilient, curious, empowered youth who wants to take on new things and um, embrace change and opportunity? Or are you scared? And, and fearful, and that limits your opportunities and your access to those things. Makes me want to double down, Rod. I'm, I know you listen to the show. I uh, want to double down on, on TEDx Youth Santa Barbara um, and these, these clubs and getting kids to be excited about ideas and giving. And it's, you know, you said it earlier, you, you grew up at a, with a dinner table um, where you were talking about ideas and Mm -hmm. you know talking about civic engagement talking about i mean all of that stuff and it's and if you're around a household that's like that and if you can't be around a household that's like that you're in a classroom that's like absolutely we have to replace that with something else civically right right Mm -hmm. i I love that what is um as we we, uh, wind into the end here um knowing that people listen from around the world What's one call to action you would have to a citizen to dip their toe into the water of civic engagement? Mm Because I know for me, I I moved here in 1972, Fiesta Weekend, 1972, and did was I was just I just lived here and worked and did everything that we've been talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, head down, Mm -hmm. uh, until we got acquired by Silicon Graphics, and they said. 
what's your um, community profile as mm-hmm. a company? Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I don't even know how, what that is. And they go, well, how involved are you in, in the community and Chamber of Commerce and all that kind of I said, not at all. We're very busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they said, um, we would like you to do that, please. And what a wonderful opportunity. And I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I So you think got to invent that yourself. Well, no. Uh, Steve Cushman and Steve Ainsley okay. uh, started the Economic Community Project well over we 20 years ago. We worked together on that. Right? Yes. yes. And they had a, a meeting where they brought 70 software people together mm-hmm. uh, in a meeting at the news press. And none of us knew one another. Can you imagine that? That's unimaginable right? today, isn't none it? None of us yeah. knew one another. And um, we looked and went, wow, there's enough of us here that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And... I kind of enjoyed it. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was not what I thought it was going to be. And I started, um, cause I was a counterculture guy growing mm-hmm. up and I thought this is kind of, this isn't, I'll, I'll have another please. And then I had another and another, and then pretty soon it just, it was what I did. I was on boards and did all of that stuff until we got back to doing our own business again. And, and my wife, Kimberly would say, where, where are you going? You're going to a board meeting. You're going to, Hold it. Charity begins at home, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I'm. Yeah. The so so having said that, what would you extol our our young leader who's listening or our person who's saying, "Huh, that sounds good." What what's the call to action? The first action they could take to get involved. Well, it may sound old school, but I I really believe in this. Is that you should read local news sources. And, and, you know, oh. there are some f- spectacular ones. You know, the Santa Barbara Independent, the Newshawk, both do a really great, extraordinary job covering local issues. Yep. And, you know, they're there, they're accessible, they're on the Internet, um, they're free. And if you just read those periodicals on a daily basis, you would know what's going on in the community. And I, I, I would be shocked if something didn't inspire you to say, oh, that, I didn't know about that. And I think that's something I could get, you know, would like to get involved in. And, and everyone wants people to be involved in. So if you just raise your hand and communicate to somebody, you read something in the newspaper and say, I'd like to be involved in that. And you put yourself forward. People will say, yes, thank you. You know, you can help. Uh, one of uh, this show, our, our listener knows I'm always looking for the T-shirt moment. Like, mm-hmm. where's the saying that the T-shirt I wear all the time, metaphorically, is the world belongs to those who show up. Absolutely. Right. That's Woody Allen's yes. quote. And um, so so what you're saying is um, do a little bit of homework. Yeah. You know, read about what's going on. Yep. Understand it. Don't just, you know, come with your view that is not informed. Um, and then pick something you're interested in and say and step up and, and do that. I, uh, we need your help. I, I, list, I read both of those dailies, by the way, and the New York Times daily mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the, the New York Times California edition every day. Because uh, someone had uh, suggested that, mm-hmm. that if you really want the unbiased news if you really are going to buy into this thing washington post add that to the list the atlantic right. you know you could there are lots of super high quality journalism right and and any community is going to have that yep. just go search that out because i just learned last week about the um swiss nets hmm. proposal oh yes in montecito in montecito that's mm-hmm. where i live and yep. we've got a huge we were talking about the fires earlier yep and it rained this week and we were everyone's like on high alert i'm looking forward mm-hmm. to when we're not on high alert and i saw the swiss nets project and i went uh, for our listener the idea is that uh, the swiss have figured out through avalanches i'm guessing mm-hmm. how to have these nets that disallow that from happening and hold the rocks back and went right oh let's go to the smart people who know how to do that mm-hmm. and they're already able and willing it's all set up and citizens they're have moving funded, very fast and it's like bam 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 yes right uh is that something that comes before the city or is that a county that's thing? a county thing and that is the but that was a citizen-led initiative that totally. was you know with totally. regular folks saying what yep. can we do to help yep. this problem and yep. you know having the means to do that research and to search the world and to say here's an outside the box solution that nobody's considered before at all yeah right and i heard about it and it was uh i was like this is fantastic i don't know how to get involved other than i'm going to get those people on the show uh, to talk about it because i just to, to your point citizen-led mm-hmm. citizen they just yep. figured it out yep i love that 
Greg, um, as we wrap into the end here, our, our listener knows that uh, the um, most important part about this show is that people listen to it. Mm-hmm. That will listen to this conversation. They'll get. They'll learn something from it. And they may have come into the podcast through another show, and they go, "Oh, that was kind of tasty." I, I'll mm-hmm. have another, please. And they look at the list. So we know how titles I already said earlier: the fifteen free tips, uh, tools for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So the title of this show right now is going to be really important. And so you get first dibs on giving it a title. What would we call it? Um, get engaged in your community because it's your future. Okay, in your community because it's your future. I like that. Um, I also want to thank you personally uh, as the head of TEDx Santa Barbara. Uh, uh, we just got our license renewed for 2019, and I just applied for a salon license so we can have small, like little mini TEDx oh, events. You are growing year. this just in amazing ways. And I'm a giant fan. Oh, and thank you. It's it, re- it fits exactly what we're talking about. Right. You know, that's what I lifelong thought. learning in a captivating, fun way. Yes. Yeah, and, well, and eclectically you. diverse, and right? there, there is something for any interest and every interest, and that's well, exactly what we need to do. Seeing you in line two years ago, and I said, "What's wrong with this?" But we, I, we looked at the, all the logos, and right. I said, "What's wrong with this picture?" It's TEDx Santa Barbara, and the city of Santa Barbara logo isn't up there, but it is now. We went and we, f- we have a uh, someone who knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that, but mm-hmm. she. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for making that happen. So thank you. We appreciate that. You're welcome. That. And I will try to do my best with, to have the county be a partner, too, oh, because we, I we have a new, a new name on my well, t- new are. title on my name. They are. Oh, good. So it's, it was a joint, it's a joint grant through, okay. uh, I forget the exact name, but the deal was we have to put two logos up. <laughs> so they negotiated. They said, well, we're going to give you the money, but you have to have two logos. I said, you know, it's, the, 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 we know what we really want. Kimberly says, I'll know that we've really made it when there's flags on State Street. The next so, step. Right. So The that's, TEDx flags would be awesome on State wouldn't Street. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. Um, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Mark. Thank you for the invitation, and, and it's wonderful to talk with you and to share these ideas. It's a great day. Great way to start right there. There you go. That's yeah. the way to do it. Uh, I also want to thank California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in a podcast of your own, yeah, guess what? It's, uh, you know how everybody had a blog? Well, now everybody has a podcast. Um, we're we're um, quite skilled at helping people figure out how to find their voice and get a show on the air, uh, whether it's just helping you walk through the problem or actually helping you produce it. We do that. Drop us a note, mark at 805connect.com and... Uh, as you know, this show is 100% uh, fueled by ideas that we get from you from your emails or Facebook posts on here's a cool person I met at a party or I read an article or something. And that's why the show is interesting because you keep introducing us to interesting people. Again, drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com. Thank you in advance. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.